0: Well, how, how are all those New Year's resolutions going? <laughs> Not going to talk about it. <laughs> Some of you haven't seen Happy New Year. I'm thankful for all those who filled in on the weeks that I was gone over Christmas. We were gone. Especially to Terry Young and Aaron Ewing and Joanne Ewing for preaching three different times. And for the music team, just everyone who kept things going and Heard you had an awesome Christmas Eve service. My heart was with you, my prayers were with you. So, very thankful for all those who were able to do that so we could be with uh, my side of the family this Christmas. But it's great to be back. It's awesome to be back. Some of you, about now, January 10th, are beginning to wonder about some of those New Year's resolutions. It's the time of the year, of course, when people are going back to the gym, starting new diets, trying new things, trying to learn Mandarin, I don't know, just, you know, various things that people have longed to do, and it's that time of year. And as we get into our new year as a church, I like to take a moment for us to kind of refocus, refocus on who we are as a church. What are we all about? Where are we heading? Next week, we're going to be diving back into the Revelation, and that's exciting, Can I get an amen? Yeah. And, and it's awesome. And we're going to be just getting right back into some amazing stuff next week. I'm really excited about that. But for today, I wanted to pull us back and just ask again, what is our mission? As the Erickson Covenant Church, what are we all about? Maybe you've been coming here for a while and, uh, you know, you're kind of beginning to figure out some of who we are. And, and this is going to be really helpful for you because it's going to help you understand what are we all about? In the midst of everything, what is the Arson Covenant Church all about? Some of you are maybe brand new, brand new to church. Maybe you're you're really not even sure about those church folks. I understand, and and and, and maybe you've just been exploring, and you finally came, and you've been invited, and or you know, I don't I don't know where, but maybe you're new. This can be really helpful for you because you're going to know front up. This is what's going on. This is like the fine print in bold print, if you know what I mean. This is what's really going on for us, the church. And and then for for many of us who've maybe been around here for a while, maybe for a long while, it's really good to be reminded of why we do what we do. So wherever you're at today, I, I hope this will be this will be helpful. Because we all like the the visions and the goals, but it's easy to forget what it's all about. You know, whether your goal, you know, even in this new year, was to have a healthier lifestyle or to pick up, you know. Art, or have a better relationship with your kids, or grow in your gifts and offer them to your community or to the church. Whether it's to be wiser financially, whatever some of your goals might have been in the business of life, by mid-January, into deep into March, you know, it's really easy to kind of lose sight of like what is going on. Why was I doing this? You know, why was I trying to learn? Finish. <laughs> good to be reminded, right? To have something that brings it up in front of you. Oh, yeah, that's why I'm trying to get healthier. Or that's why I want to have a better relationship with my kids, whatever. Well, it's the same as the church. In the midst of all the activity, you know, we've got a lot going on. We're, we're really trying to grow our youth ministry. We're trying to disciple people. We're trying to to, to you know, launch a number of different connect groups and get people into those connect groups. We've got children, and we want to see them growing up, understanding who Jesus is. And we want to grow in our, in our outreach as a community, in, into this community as a church. All of these things. And we can get kind of into the activity, and somehow there's times, right, when you can kind of forget... Why were we doing this? We don't want to forget that. We want to be able to hold that in front of us, especially in those times when we're discouraged or confused or wondering, why did I sign up to take care of these kids again? Why did I tell Malcolm I'd sing? This reminds us of why we're doing what we're doing, the purpose that drives our action. So what's our mission as an Erickson Covenant Church? Well, I thought this morning, in order to get into that answer, we should watch a movie trailer. Let's watch it. I guarantee you that at some point, everything's gonna go south on you. Ready? You're gonna say, this is it. This is how I end. Commander, Mark is dead. Now, you can either accept that or you can get to work. This will come as quite a shock to my crewmates and to NASA and to the entire world. But I'm still alive. Surprise! Here's the rub. It's going to be four years for another mission to reach me. And I'm going to have designed to last 31 days. So I got to make water and grow food on a planet where nothing grows. But if I can't figure out a way to make contact with NASA, none of this matters anyway. We've got an incoming message. My God. Mount is <laughs> still alive. Woo! Neil Armstrong kind of Okay, so let's do the math. I have enough food to last for 50 days. He's going to starve to death long before we can help. So I'm gonna have to science the shit out of this. He's 50 million miles away from home. He's totally alone. What the hell is he thinking right now? I am the greatest botanist on this planet. I know how to save Mark Watney. But we need the Hermes crew. We either have a high chance of killing one or a low chance of killing six are not risking their lives. It's bigger than one person. No. It's not. NASA rejected the mission. So, if we do this? We're talking mutiny. If anything goes wrong, we die. Do you realize how crazy this is? We have no other option. No matter what happens, tell the world family and i never stop fighting to make it home Help is only 140 million miles away. DVD comes out tomorrow, by the way. In The Martian, which I was really ripped off about because I was wanting to show some clips today, right? So the best I could do was the trailer. In The Martian, the value of one man's life is set into sharp focus. Left for dead, Mark Watney is tasked with surviving on an inhospitable planet, Mars, if you didn't pick that up, until the possibility, the possibility of rescue four years later. Many of you haven't seen the movie and that's okay, but I think the trailer illustrated that. This story captures something that we all know is true and that's the incredible value of one human life. The one person That one man is so valuable that we're willing to risk personal loss and expend tremendous cost to see them returned safe and sound. And throughout the whole story, it's very compelling, the boys and I watched it this week, Uh, people from across the world marshal all their intellectual powers, their resources, their manpower to figure out how to bring him home. The cost is enormous, but... It's actually really interesting as you watch the film that in the face of all this, you know, of Mark's impending death on Mars, the cost almost seems irrelevant to them. They're just sparing no expense, doing whatever it takes to bring him home. And then there's the crew, his own crew, who had left him for dead, thinking he was dead, and now trying to assess whether or not they can save him. And decisions are made throughout the film by by various people. Decisions that, in the worst case scenario, results in them all dying. And in the best-case scenario, it will lead to their court-martial, lead to them never working as astronauts again. Incredible cost, immense risk, all for one man. The Martian tells the truth. One man matters. I love it when Hollywood gives us stories that capture the heart of Jesus for people. Because the Martian, as a parable, is very close to a set of parables that Jesus himself told. They were all designed, these stories, to show us the value of people. Jesus told them to show people the inestimable, val- estimable, shouldn't use that word, value. <laughs> Does anyone know what inestimable means? You can't estimate how valuable they are. Okay, shouldn't have done that. Both are these stories that Jesus told are designed to help us understand the incredible value of people, each and every person. Remember the stories? They're familiar stories to some, but they might be new to others. They're found in the Gospel of Luke, right at the start of chapter 15. Jesus tells three stories. We're only going to focus on the first two. They go like this. Now, the tax collectors and sinners, these are people that weren't well liked by some, maybe many, but they were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees, it's a religious group, really religious group, they're like the scariest church people you've ever met, Uh, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, muttered under their breath,
1: this man
0: welcomes sinners and eats with them. And I think it probably sounded like that too. The people who were really attracted to Jesus, who wanted to be around him, who actually couldn't get enough of him, were often people who had messed up their life so badly that all the religious folk had just written them off. Said, you know, you're done. We're done with you. Please stay away." In fact, you're the problem with the world. You're the reason why things haven't gone well for us. You guys. If we just figure out how to get rid of you, everything would be great. That's how they were treated, particularly by other religious folks. And some of you know what it's like to have been written off. <laughs> written off. Hmm. <laughs> some of you know what that's like too. <laughs> Some of you know what it's like to be written off by others. Maybe maybe religious folk. Maybe you're written off by a church. Maybe you're written off by your dad. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there was people in your community that said, you know, you will amount to nothing. You're going nowhere. You know what it's like to have been written off by others who looked down their noses at you and thought they were better than you? Huh. Well, those are the kind of people Jesus loved. And they loved to be with Jesus. This is one of the amazing things we see in the gospel. People that were far away from Jesus, didn't know much about him, things things, things in their lives were so messed up, they found Jesus deeply attractive. And they spent a lot of time with him. And Jesus loved to be with them. He loved to party with them. He loved to eat with them. He delighted that they wanted to be with him. He listened to their stories. He, he heard about their lives. He, in that context, encouraged them to keep following him. And he promised them a fresh start as they did. And Jesus knew that a lot of religious folks around him did not like this. They were not impressed that that's how he lived. They didn't like these sinners, as they called them. It was like a slang, like a, a pejorative term they would use. And they criticized Jesus because he would associate with such messed up people. Made him look bad. It made the, made the, the, the church, wasn't the church, made, the, made, made our God look bad. It made everybody look bad. They didn't like that. So, In order to really show these people, these religious folks in particular, how much people mattered, Jesus told some stories. Here's the first two. Jesus told them this parable. Who's he telling? The religious folks. But everyone else is listening in. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Oh, go back. There we go. Leave it there. And loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99, the open country, and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents, who turns around. That's all repentance means. You turn around and face Jesus and follow after him. One sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent or at least don't think they need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, And search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me! I've found my lost coin! In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, what do all these stories have in common? Something valuable has been lost, and people in the stories are willing to do whatever it takes to see that object or that person returned. And here's the takeaway. The takeaway for us as a church, the takeaway for us personally. People really matter. I mean, they really matter. They matter to God, and by extension, they matter to us. And it is easy sometimes. Especially I know some of the people you work with. I know what it's like to be in a, a difficult relationship. I know what it's like to feel like you have no impasse and you feel like, I just want to write this person off. I also know what it's like to have loved someone and then feel that love fading. I know what it's like to be in a community that struggles. I I know what that's like, and I'm telling you, even at those low times, being reminded that it's the people that matter. Not just the the hill we're trying to climb or the project we're trying to accomplish. It's the people that really matter. And that's the takeaway. One of the things that's so clear in studying the life of Jesus, and if you haven't gotten into that, if you haven't read much about Jesus or explored much about him, I really encourage you to dig into one of the four stories that, that are told about the life of Jesus right at the start of the New Testament. It's the second half of the Bible. And in there, we see Jesus, and we see again and again and again how much he values people, each and every person. Everywhere he goes, whether he's teaching or he's healing or he's spending time, he's with women, he's with men, he's with boys and girls, he's with people that are far, far, far away. He's with people that are quite religious, he's with rich, he's with poor, he's with the sick, he, well, they're usually not sick for long when they hang around with Jesus, but you know, he's with people, because They matter. People really, truly matter. They matter to us because they matter to God. As followers of Jesus, it makes it clear for us, our priority as people, our priority as Jesus followers, our, our priority at the Erickson Covenant Church is people. People really matter. We know it. How, how we love God is really shown in how we love others, that loving others, this was on the screen, is the litmus test for the Christian faith. And talk on and on about how much you know about the Bible. But unless that translates into loving relationships around you, huh, please shut up. D- don't talk anymore about the Christian faith. Now, I know we struggle, and I know we've got progress, and I know, but I'm saying, it's got to translate into our lives, right? It's got to translate right down into our families, and how we engage with our kids. It's got to translate into our work relationships. It has to translate in how we interact with that neighbor. Yes, you know who I'm talking about. People really matter. Remember why Jesus told these two stories. He told them because religious people were upset with how much he cared for people, how much he was willing to expend on them, how much time he was willing to give them. The fact that he was allowing his reputation to be sullied by their presence in his life. I had, a, I had a conversation this week with someone that was critical of our church. Yeah, I know. It was a, imagine that. By the way, can I just say, when you're really doing what God wants you to do, there will be criticism. Right? Yes. When you're really giving it in the direction that God is calling you, there will be pushback. I had a conversation this week. Someone was struggling with the fact that, you know, man, what kind of church you run over there anyway? People look pretty messed up. <laughs> and this is where I took them. I took them to this story. Maybe because I was going to preach on it this Sunday. It was in fresh in my mind. But I took them to this story. I said, man, I hope we're the kind of church that religious people have a problem with. Right? I hope we're the kind of church that people look at us and go, oh my goodness, they let that guy in? They let her? I mean, don't they know what they've done to me? Don't they know what they're like? Oh my goodness. Aren't they concerned about how it looks? (laughs) I hope we're the kind of church that has a reputation like this. That's why Jesus told the story. People really matter. Jesus cared about those who no one else cared about, who people had written off, losers, outcasts, people that don't want anything to do with. Left for dead. People matter. Why do they matter? At least two reasons. There's the value of a human life, and this is sort of Christianity at its core, the value of each human, of each man and woman, a boy and girl, is rooted in at least two things. The first one is that You're created in the image of God, but each and every person. And I know you work with some people, you think, no, no, image of God, gone. Yeah, more like a dog or something. I know, I know what it's like. But no, every single person that you lock eyes with in overweighty, every single person you bump into at Home Builders, every single person you see in a coffee shop or walking down the street or shuffling by your front yard, every single one of them is created in the image of God. The image of God, people. I mean, think about that. Think about the value that that bestows on a person, on an individual life. This is why Christianity is... Ruthless is maybe the wrong word, but I'm not much for grammar today. But this is why Christianity is so persistent about the value of human life from conception to grave. This is why. Because every human being... Whether you like them or not, and you don't have to like them, you just have to love them, every single human being created in the image of God. Genesis 1.27, this is the start of the story. God created human beings in His own image. Imagine that. In the image of God, He created them, male and female, He created them. I know it's a little hard to read, but that's Genesis 1.27, and it starts, it launches this whole project. God says, I'm gonna make beings that reflect me in, in who they are. And yeah, sin came in and messed up, but it did not take away the image of God in us. Creating the image of God roots the value of a person in the very nature of God. Think about that. A little later on in one of the Psalms, Psalm 139, some of you really love this one. The psalmist is reflecting on how good God is and how they can't get away from God in in a good sense and Maybe in a bad sense sometimes. But anyway, he's reflecting on that and he's thinking about um, who he is and who God is. And, and he says this He says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. <laughs> That's conception. That God was there as the master craftsman putting us together. And then it turns to praise. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Created in the image of God. I mean, that right there, we can just stop right there. That should change the way we interact with the people around us, right? That should change the way we see the people we're struggling with. That should change the way we see the people we don't even know. I mean, as a church, the way we see the people in our valley, to really... Really get it down deep that these people were created in the image of God, whether they know it, whether they've experienced God's goodness in in understanding that in their lives, whatever. This is baseline. This is true of them. But to top it all off, (laughs) there's there's another thing here. The Son of God died for them. Jesus died for them. The Son of God, the perfect, holy, loving, innocent, worthy, eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ, became a human, lived this amazing life, showing God's kingdom and bringing God's kingdom and showing God's love and including people, all of this, and then went to the cross to die in exchange for their lives. Your life, my life, our lives. Now, when you really get down to understanding who Jesus is, the value of a human life just goes up and up and up. This isn't just a man. It's the Son of God. This isn't just some great teacher. This is the one who has forever existed with the Father and the Spirit. That He became one of us to exchange places with you means that your value has an eternal divine value. Isn't that amazing? That <laughs> not only are you created in the image of God, but when things got messed up and you need to be rescued and I need to be rescued, that Jesus said, I'll take their place. That's a big payment. That's an amazing rescue. Immense cost. Tremendous risk. And Jesus did it. Romans 5.8 says, God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Images of God, but messed up. If you didn't think you had value before, think of the price that's been paid for you. And just ponder that. If you struggled with really feeling like you have value, like you have worth, because you, you know, I know, you pull up all the things that have gone wrong in your life, the mistakes you've made, things people have done to you that have then created circumstances that have made you do other things, and you, you feel like, man, the list. Look at the list. Look at all the things I've screwed up in. And you realize that it's while you were a sinner, while you were messing up, while you were far away, that's when Jesus died for you. You know, we all like to post the great pictures on Facebook, right? None of us are honest on that bit of social media. Well, a few of you try to be, but you shouldn't. (laughs) But we post the glorious pictures, right? Many of you actually, there's quite a number of you here who work professionally as photographers, there's the odd funny shot where the kids are crying. We all thank you for posting those. But really, right? What do you send your friends? It's not the guy with the brothers looking like he's lost it. or It's not the one where the kid's out of the picture or somebody's face is cut off. You, you send them the nice picture, right? Most of you do. Huh. Jesus saw the bad pictures. <laughs> he saw us when we were so messed up in the gutter. When we were We were lost that's when he died for us. So we have to set aside all those tapes and all those things we tell ourselves or why Jesus wouldn't care for me or why my value has somehow been diminished based on what I've done. It's not true. Your value is not diminished. In fact, maybe it's even enhanced. Because Jesus looked at you and said, I can see who I created and I love you. And I'm going to die in your place so you can have life again. Wow. That's the value of human person. So I want you to look around. Yeah, do it right now. Look around. Look around while I take a drink. All right, yes. And now I want you to sort of mentally look around your life. Mentally. Like walk. Walk the aisles. Walk the office. Block the farm, the street, I don't know, your house. Think about the people. Look around at the people in your life. The people that you interact with. The people that you deeply love. The people that you struggle with. The people that you you kinda want to get to know them, but you're not sure. Think about the people that you are, you know, feeling drawn to, or the people that you're feeling repulsed by. Those people. Every person matters. Every person died for by Jesus. They may not know it. They may have been beat out of them. They may have had so many circumstances pile up, they're not even aware of their value. They may not believe it when you tell it. They may not feel it when you show it. But it's the truest thing about them. It's the truest thing about the people that you and I interact with every day. It's the truest thing about you. Created in the image of God, loved, so that Jesus would die in your place, give you life. Wow. It's the most true thing that you and I can hold on to and live out in our relationships. People have value beyond imagination. And when we get that value, you know, when it gets deep in our souls, when it becomes sort of the lens through which we see life and see the people we're interacting with, well, then all of a sudden, the drastic measures we're willing to go to the costs we're willing to embrace, the risks we're willing to take, all of a sudden it makes sense. Maybe not to some, but, but to us. It makes sense because we're like, you don't understand the value of her. You don't understand how valuable that guy is. You don't understand how valuable these children are. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes so that they can experience the life and the love of Jesus. When we really get the value, It'll drive everything that we do. When the shepherd finds out that one of his sheep is missing, he leaves the 99 and he goes into the wilderness to bring it home. When the woman realizes that probably part of her dowry has gone missing, she turns the house inside out to find it. And when the crew of the Ares 3 finds out that their crew member, Mark Watney, is alive, they do whatever it takes to bring him home. Two things really stood out to me in all three of these stories. And, Based on the value of the person, based on this understanding of how precious they are, others are willing to embrace that great risk as well as pay tremendous cost for the rescue. Think of the risk of the man searching for the sheep, leaving his flock behind. Maybe in the care of others, but they're not under his care. Going there, searching the the risk to his own life, the, the risk, you know, whether it'll even be worth it. Think of the work that this woman puts in, of cleaning your house, turning it upside down, ripping up the floorboards, I don't know, but doing whatever it takes. And all these themes come together, I think, in The Martian beautifully, where the risk of rescuing this astronaut is extreme. The risk to life, the risk to reputation, the cost of bringing him home runs into the hundreds of millions of dollars. Actually, somebody calculated the cost of bringing Matt Damon home, if you calculate Saving Private Ryan, Interstellar, and The Martian. (laughs) The U.S. government spent close to a billion bucks on him just to bring Mark Damon home. All actions of rescue, all the action of rescue, the cost, the risk, are rooted in the value of one person, that that one person really matters. Well, I hope by now you're seeing the connection. (laughs) As the Erickson Covenant Church, we are committed to helping people find and follow Jesus. That's kind of our vision statement. That's what we're all about, and we can carry it around, and it's easy enough to memorize. Find and follow Jesus. Helping people find and follow Jesus. we talked about one of the key things we want to ask each other is, how can I help you? <laughs> In other words, how can I help you find Jesus? How can I help you follow Jesus? What's the next step for you? Well, let's, let's unpack that a little bit, because everything we do as a church whether we're gathered for worship, whether we're scattered throughout the week in community as Jesus followers, everything we do demonstrates the value of the human life, the value of the one human life. Yes, there's a cost. And it will cost. If you think we can really get our game on and rescue people to help people find and follow Jesus without some kind of cost, we're dreaming. Without some kind of personal risk, we're off in la-la land. It's going to cost us, personally and as a church. But when we've really understood the value of a human life, dare I say that some of those risks and costs will fade? When we really understand how much people matter, we're going to say, ah, it's worth it. These terms, find and follow, are really about helping people, where they're at in their spiritual journey, find. By helping people find Jesus, what we're saying, and sometimes church people need to hear this, what we're saying is that people who are far, far, far away from God, you know those people in your life, you say, you know what, I thought about inviting that guy to church, but I don't want to get spit on? That guy. People who are far, far away from Jesus, really matter to Jesus. And we're committed to helping every person we know. Every man and woman, every boy and girl that we connect with, particularly those we have a greater relationship with, we're committed to helping them simply take their next step toward Jesus. We know what the goal is, but our commitment is we're going to help them take the next step. Not the tenth step, the next step that they need to take. The next step might be simply opening up a conversation with them about their life. Showing interest. Listening to their story. That could be the next step in helping them find Jesus. It could be getting a little bolder. And some of you have been doing this and it's amazing. Inviting them to come to church. I'm not going to ask you to raise hands but there's quite a number of you here that are here because somebody else from this church said, hey, do you want to come to church with me? And, shockingly, some of them said yes. And we're really glad you said yes. Maybe the next step is, is, is just inviting them over for a meal or join you for lunch. Maybe the next step is to be part of a connect group. I, I don't know. Maybe the next step for you even might be just maybe giving up an old grudge. Finally saying, I'm not going to carry this anymore. Or maybe it's an openness to finally read something about Jesus. Read the Gospel of John. Begin to find out who this character Jesus is. We don't always know what the next step is in a person's life. After I think we often don't know. We don't know. But we're committed to helping them find Jesus. And sometimes we'll know, like Jesus will help us understand what it is. And a lot of times we won't. But actually, as we get into relationship with people, we just love them and point them to Jesus and invite them into our lives. It's pretty amazing how the Holy Spirit gets involved and helps them also take the next step. Many of you are in that place where you're exploring who Jesus is and what the Christian faith is all about, and this has actually been your next step. You know, coming here has been your next step, and and in fact, for a while, it might be, it might continue to be your next step. Like I'm going to actually go back. I know I, I'm, I'm lying to my friends on Sunday morning. They think I'm like doing pancakes at Rotocrest or something. But I, I'm actually starting to enjoy this. And I don't even know why yet. Some of you, the next step for you is just keep coming. Just keep connecting. Right? But maybe also your next step is starting to unfold in front of you. And, and maybe... You know, as, as connect groups are being offered here through January, and we'll start the middle of February, maybe you realize, you know, the idea of getting together with a group of people and getting to know some folks that I don't know and starting to gather around a conversation about Jesus or maybe a study from the Bible or, or whatever it is, that, 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 that might be my next step. Maybe you're considering baptism. Maybe you realize, I actually know enough now about who Jesus is and I want to follow him. Maybe... Maybe here's in the new year and you realize, I actually do want to start some kind of a Bible reading plan because I think that's the next step of exploring who is Jesus and what is the Christian faith. All of these are geared to helping people find Jesus and we're committed to that. But our purpose doesn't end there. It's not just about helping people find Jesus as though that's the end. That's just the beginning. It's also about helping people follow Jesus. Is Jesus... As people found Jesus, as Jesus called people, He always calls them to follow Him. And it's consistent throughout the Gospels. Following Jesus is a lifetime journey. And here's the reality. When we actually talk, even as a church, when we talk about helping people follow Jesus, what we're really talking about is helping each other follow Jesus. Because we're all trying to follow Jesus. And so Jesus followers, helping other Jesus followers, follow Jesus together. Say that seven times fast following, I can't even say it, and it's written on the page in front of me. Jesus followers, helping other Jesus followers follow Jesus together. There we go. This is about growing in our faith. This is about letting Jesus lead in our lives. And man, that's tough. There's areas of our lives where we've come to faith, we're following Jesus, and all of a sudden, oh my goodness, I didn't even realize that was an issue. And so Jesus calls us to take another step in submitting ourselves to the Holy Spirit experiencing God's grace every day. We do that as we pray for one another, as we encourage each other, especially in those times when we're down or discouraged, where we can can say a a word to one another. We can encourage. We can take someone out for coffee. We can can get alongside one another, studying the Bible together, serving together, challenging each other, and just, frankly, living life together, being in each other's lives, being in in, in the lives of each other's children, and just walking together. We help each other. Each other follow Jesus. We ask, how can I help you? How can I help you? Maybe, maybe not always that, that bluntly, but that's the question we're asking. How can we help you? How can I help you? And in turn, you're being asked, what do you need as you step forward in following Jesus? Following Jesus means that we need to keep walking. I like the image of walking because it's the idea that Jesus himself is walking. So following Jesus isn't just coming up and standing in front of him. Because if you're just standing there, guess what? He's getting farther and farther away. Because he's on the move. And so we need to follow Jesus. We need to walk after him. And we're doing that together. As a community. As people. And to keep stepping out. And maybe for some of us, that next step is a new step into an area that's been... Maybe nagging at you, something you've been wondering. Maybe it's a new step in ministry. Maybe you want to finally talk to a friend about Jesus that you've been putting it off. And yeah, now it's going to be awkward because it's been four years and I've never mentioned Jesus to him yet. But you know what? Push through the awkwardness. Why? Because they're worth it. They're worth it. Maybe it's dealing with hurt in your family. Maybe it's asking forgiveness from your husband or your wife. Or maybe it's finally admitting you do have a problem with alcohol. Maybe it's finally seeking counsel for something that's been dragging you down. I I don't know what the next step is for you, but, but maybe you do. And we help each other as we all follow Jesus together. Well, where does that leave us? I'm going to wrap up with this. Let me challenge you with three practical steps. The first one is to know your value. I actually think it starts here. I don't think we can really live like other people matter, have the real value that we talked about, being created in the image of God and paid for by Jesus. I don't think we really do that if we ourselves don't believe it about us. So I want you to hear today how valued you are, how loved you are, how precious you are. I don't want you to leave today wondering if it applies to you. It applies to you. If you are human... And I see mostly humans here. Yes, I think you're all human. It applies to you and you need to know your value. You need to know God's love for you that when Jesus looks at you, he says, wow, that's someone I made. And I paid for him in blood. You matter. You matter to God. And I want you to know you matter to us. You matter to me. I don't know some of you all. I don't know all of you. I don't know all of you very well. But you matter to me. I've been praying for you all week. Those of you I know by name. And all the rest of you I don't yet know by name. I've been praying for you. You matter. You matter to God. You matter to this church. You matter to us. You need to know you matter. And you need to know that we as a church are not, we're doing stuff, sure. We're doing activities. We got programs. I get all that. But we're doing it because you matter. We're doing it because people matter. That is the goal. That is the purpose. That's what drives our action. So know your value. And secondly, based on that, let the value of others lead you to love. Man, I I hope this week when you're stumbling around the work site or you're out for coffee with a friend or you're sitting at home and you see someone walk by, I hope this week that you'll experience a vision change. And that it'll strike you this week as you're interacting with someone, as you see someone walk past, as someone emails you or calls you on the phone. It'll strike you this week that they are so precious and valuable and by the Holy Spirit's action in you, I pray and I plead that you would let Him lead you based on their value to really love them. Figure out what that is. It might just be praying for them at that moment. I don't know what it is, but let the value of others lead you to love. It'll change everything. Related to that, step three is to move in close. Based on that, based on knowing your value, based on understanding the value of others and letting the Spirit lead you to love, I challenge you to move in close. Don't go solo. You can't. Neither can others. Move in close. Get in. Don't hold back. Don't, don't connect at the come Covenant Church just to sort of sit. Move in. Say hello to some of you don't know at coffee time. I and mean, we can start right now, like well, at least in a couple minutes. Initiate. Pray. Who's that person in your life that needs to know they're valued? Now maybe you can't maybe you can't come right out and say it that way. It would be weird. But you can show them by your willingness to spend time with them, by your interest in them. Move in close. Give up doing this thing in isolation. And there's lots of ways you can do that. And I I don't know how you're going to do it in your life, to move in close, to really follow these steps. I don't know. But one of them I want to challenge you on, and this is no surprise. We're going to do another round of Connect Groups. Starting mid-February. Some of you are resistant to that sort of thing. I want to challenge you to get over it. I do. I, I I don't and that's not harsh. It's because you matter. It's because others matter, and we can't do it alone. So moving in close might mean, imagine that, signing up to meet some new people. Signing up to get connected. Because people matter. You matter. But we can't... We can, that's all theory unless we're willing to actually get in the game, move in close. You know, the picture at the end of all three of these stories when the loss has been returned is always celebration, right? Remember the end of the story Jesus told each person, says, Rejoice with me! I've found my lost you know, sheep, lost coin, lost astronaut. And then Jesus summarizes and says, In the same way, when just one person One person experiences the life that Jesus has for them. One person comes to understand their value as created in the image of God. One person realizes it doesn't matter how big the heap of my crap is. If I just turn away from the crap, there's Jesus. And he's calling me to follow him. He wants to be with me. He wants to walk with me. When just one person understands that, there's a party in heaven. Bill Hybels, a pastor of the States, he talks about imagining yourself on the day that you decide to follow Jesus. There's this big party going on in heaven. And over, over the top of the whole party is this big banner. And it has your name on it. Your name. Angels. These powerful spiritual beings. Are partying. They're toasting you. Or they were. And they are. Because one person matters celebration. That's the heart of Jesus for people. That's what he's all about. And as Jesus followers, that's what we're all about. Let me open my heart to you as I finish. This is the kind of church that we want to be. This is the kind of church I want us to be. The kind of church that says people matter so much that we're going to do whatever it takes to see them loved. To see them understand their value. Yes, there's risk. Yeah, there's cost. But you know what? Somehow, when I look beyond the risk, I look beyond the cost, and I see the value of that person. I see the value of the men and the women and the children in our community. (sighs) I'm willing to give some things up for that, folks. I'm willing to pay some cost. I'm willing to take some risk. I want us to be the kind of church that does get criticized by who, for who we love. We love. I want to see us become the kind of church where people are such a priority. We're not prioritizing comfort. We're not prioritizing, you know, all the bean counting. We're prioritizing people. And we're going after it. That's the kind of church that God is calling us to be. I hope that you're in. I mean that. You matter. And I hope you're willing to see that others matter. And I hope you're willing to see that as a church, we've got to make that a priority. I hope you're in. Because we want to move forward. And frankly, we want to move forward together. People matter. People really, really matter. And by God's grace, and with the power of His Holy Spirit, we as a church are going to do whatever it takes to see people find and follow Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, you've called us to follow you and to be part of your mission of helping others find and follow you as well. And Jesus, I pray that we at the Erickson Covenant Church that somehow you would imprint upon our minds and our hearts and our souls the incredible value of one human life. And that that would somehow alter the way we live, the way we work, the way we worship, the way we give, the way we serve. The human lives that we live with, the little ones, the children that they would, it would grow, our imagination would grow as we look at our own kids. That our imaginations would grow as we look at our spouse, our friends, our coworkers our neighbors, our people that we've lost touch with, that somehow, Jesus, you would grow in our heart your passionate love for people. Not just another name, not just another face, but a person. Jesus, I ask that that would be sunk deep into our hearts today. And it would be transforming for us, but Lord Jesus, transforming for this community that the men and the women and the children who are all around us this morning, who don't know, don't understand, don't realize, that we would be willing to embrace risk, embrace cost, and go on an all-out search to see them find you. We pray this in your name, Jesus, believing it to be your will. Amen. God bless you today.